0: There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Discover your inspiration to lead by hearing from those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others. We will learn about their unique leadership style and identify the shared qualities between those who do it tremendously well. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to, this is going to be the last episode of the Lead with Empower podcast for season one. I believe this will be episode number 24, and we figured that it's, uh, it's worthwhile finishing off with a bang right here, and uh, super excited to have uh, a great friend, co-worker, teammate. The list could probably go on and on here today, but our, our final guest of season one, and this is going to be a unique episode, is Joe Dering. Joe is the founder of Empower Adventures and Empower Leadership. He's a veteran of the United States Army, where he was an infantry officer from 2000, and, uh, 2000 to 2008. He was overseas-led units in Iraq and Afghanistan throughout the 2000s. Um, and him and I go way back, and I don't know if we necessarily need to pick the specific year, because that'll date us a little bit too hard here, but go back to the mm-hmm. mid-90s at students at Xavier High School, On a couple of uh, athletic teams, football and baseball together. Um, And we're going to have kind of a dual interview here where Joe, we're going to have a conversation to learn more about Joe. And then Joe's going to fire some heaters back at me as an element of payback here, I guess, to finish off our first season. So Joe, excited to have you on. Thanks for carving out some time to do this. How the heck are you?
1: Yeah, doing well. It's been really fun to follow the podcast as you've been Trudging through your first season here and <laughs> listening to all the different guests, a lot of fun to hear what you have to say as well as the guests.
0: Trudging is a good word because this was a project that wasn't <laughs> necessarily anticipated uh, for the timeline, at least, that we had. But, uh, you know, we had to make some adjustments back around, I think, March 11th or 12th uh, here to, to work on some digital uh, components to empower so so Joe we'll get we'll get right into it here you you retired from the army in 08 I believe and right. when you weren't active there was some times where you, you were you served as a teacher at Xavier High School administrator at Xavier High School did some coaching there and then in 2009 you opened up the empower leadership sports and adventure center in, in Middletown Connecticut what was or what were the inspirations to go from the Army, the teaching world, to opening up your own business and, to, I guess, taking that leap of faith into entrepreneurship with Empower Leadership Sports and Adventure Center?
1: Well, let me first correct you and say, <laughs> we opened Empower Leadership Sports and Adventure Center. Um, yeah, you know, the my Army experience was really um, life-changing and and made a huge impact on me obviously um, given all the experiences that I was fortunate enough to have. But, but the, the thing that I learned most um, about, you know, myself and about my, you know, through my experiences was how much leadership matters and leadership isn't just about studying leadership. Isn't just about um, being the, the smartest guy in the room or the fastest guy or gal out on the field. But it's more about um, your heart, and it's more about your work ethic. and it's more about your empathy and, and some of these things that aren't necessarily taught in school or, or written about in, in the books. And so my experience as leading platoons and companies in the army was one where I obviously had some technical knowledge, um, had some relationships, And we were given missions and goals and objectives that at first seemed impossible, like um, to move a a complete army brigade from Fort Campbell, Kentucky to um, Iraq uh, seemed like an impossible task, but uh, kind of getting after it every day, um, leveraging the expertise within the team and leading and inspiring and, and setting the goals and the vision. Um, we were able to achieve that goal and, and many other goals. And so those particular leadership experiences that I had really inspired me to want to bring those lessons and those experiences that I had back to um, empower and, and open empower and, and leverage those experiences to help others have similar experiences. And so um, you know, together, you and I, we were able to build a curriculum and a program and a facility that allowed us to impart some of these leadership lessons and and some of these experiences on folks so that they could have um, their own level of awakening when it comes to leadership. Awesome. And
0: yeah, as Joe touched on, I was, uh, we had reconnected in either late 08 or early 09 or maybe before that, it's been a while. Um, I think, and I would think it was you and Maureen at dinner with my parents at some point, either when you were heading to uh, Afghanistan or came back. Um, and my, my mother, I'm going to credit her. She's the brains behind the operation says you should call Joe During. Um, Cause while Joe was in the army and, and, and doing that side of things over there, I was teaching physical education and, and doing some adventure education up in Springfield, Massachusetts and doing some of this stuff more in the school based uh, setting. Um, so we had a couple conversations and I'll never forget. It was a, a breakfast meeting at Denny's in Middletown <laughs> was where we kind yeah. of sol- solidified the deal. And, and I was again, fortunate enough to, to join Joe on that, on that dream and that, that adventure of entrepreneurship back in I think February of 09. Um, and you touched on the, the idea of leadership being about the actions and not necessarily physical traits or academic attributes. And that's something I love most about what we get to do at empower every day. Um, what were, what are some of the key principles of leadership from your experience in the army specifically? And I'm going to ask you that because not everybody goes that route in their lives. Right. Um, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a small subsect of people who end up having that experience. So just give us some insight into some of the, the the principles about leadership that back in 09 were some of those key principles that you wanted to bring to empower adventures and empower leadership.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's really funny because since then, since I left the army, I have been kind of uh, writing and, and reading and, and, really exploring some of these principles that I was taught more and more. And I understand them more now than I did back then. And we were kind of just thrown into the fire and taught these things and told to, you know, exemplify the army model of leadership and we just did the best we could, but we didn't really have a a complete understanding. And we, I was young, I was right out of college. Um, and so what it boils down to is, is a few things. Number one is, is my personal, personal ethos, which is um, we as a team, as an empower team and um, whatever segment that is, uh, we, we must stand behind what we say and do. We make commitments, not excuses. And when we can't live up to those commitments, we own up and make it right. And so that is the number one principle for us as a team is to um, make those commitments. And the minute that we feel ourselves making an excuse or uh, coming up with a reason as to why it didn't happen the way we hoped, um, we need to nip that in the bud. And so I think we do that really well. Um, But that was something first and foremost that the Army taught me. Um, Number two is actions speak louder than words. Um, So don't say you're going to do something, just do it. um don't don't you know in in the the spectrum of of army leadership don't say that you're going to um you know uh provide supporting fire for an assaulting element as a team leader lead your team over to the terrain that you need to occupy to, to provide that supporting fire lead the way show the others what it takes to do that and so that same principle applies to us don't tell me what it takes to lead a great zipline adventure, show me, yeah. don't tell me what it takes to lead a great team building outing, show me. And so I think actions speak louder than words is is the, the second um, big principle that the army taught me. Um, number three, um, so we use Stephen Covey's trust bank or emotional bank account model a lot. Yeah not only do we teach that model with our team building groups and and clients, but we also use it uh, within our own teams. And I think um, the thing that most importantly we need to take out of that is when we set an expectation, that's a commitment. It's a promise either to, to be online at such and such time, to be in at work in the right uniform at the right place at the right time. It's, it's a commitment and, things happen. We, we understand that um, life gets in the way of, of us making and, and meeting those commitments sometimes. The, the biggest trust deposit we can make as individuals, as team members, is to update that expectation before it lapses. So if I tell you that I'm going to be on the call at 10 and I know I'm going to be late, if I don't ups, update that expectation prior to 10, then I've just broken a promise or commitment as long as I can update that expectation prior to, then at least I've given you notice so that you can make changes. And um, in my mind, that's a a trust deposit. So updating the expectation prior to it lapsing is a a very important principle that I expect everyone on our team to adhere to, and it's something I learned in the Army. Um, These last two that I have on my list, number one, uh, Tony Robbins uh, talks about six essential human needs that we all have. And these human needs are essentially our, our roadmaps are our, our path to um, living our life. And, and really it's the top two needs. If you were to rank them for, for yourself, it's really the top two needs that play a significant part in your life and, and kind of dominate your direction. Um, and so you know, the, the, the six fundamental human needs are number one is certainty. Um, and these are no particular order because they're different orders for different people. Yeah. Um, so number one is certainty. Number two is uncertainty. Number three is significance. Number four is love and connection. Number five is growth. And number six is contribution. And so all of us have in some quantity, these six human needs. For me, the my order, um, which seems to change weekly, but I, I'd say my my top two human needs are number one, my, my top human need, I would say is, is contribution. I need to feel like I am contributing. And I think the army taught me that. I think the army embedded this notion of um, doing more for the greater good and you know doing something above my for myself and so this idea of contribution really is where empower came from where we wanted to contribute to our communities um this sense of you know and bring leadership into the forefront so for our youth programs math reading you know science are all important you know you have stem but where does leadership lie? And so, mm-hmm. Empower's vision and mission is to bring leadership into that kind of that circle of those core uh, curriculum subjects. You know, for for team building clients and our leadership adult groups. You know, bringing the the aspect of of communication and and the words we talk about and and, and say and and the, the trust that we build and the rapports that we build amongst our, our coworkers matters. It's the mortar between the bricks that makes your, your team who they are. And so that was our vision as empower when we opened is to bring these elements of leadership into the forefront for these adult clients and these corporate groups. And then for our recreational groups, you know, to contribute this sense of, of, of family unit going out and having an adventure and doing it in a, wholesome uplifting positive way where everybody could participate where the zip lines and the adventures were high enough and fast enough for the kids to really get their adrenaline going but yet it was guided and facilitated and there were redundant safeties throughout so there was enough safety there for the parents to feel good about it and do it along with them and so together this family unit could have this adventure um, where everybody was going to get something out of it and they were going to feel uplifted they were going to feel empowered Yep. And so that, that number one essential human need for me is contribution. And then the number two essential human need for me is uncertainty. It's the adventure of life. It's the stepping off the cliff with Empower in 2009. It's the stepping off of the second proverbial cliff in 2014 with Empower Adventures Middleburg. And then the third cliff and then the fourth <laughs> there's been a lot of cliffs in my life and and that is what uh drives me that's what gives me life um that is for the direction i'm headed in my life are really formed by contribution and um the uncertainty of of empower and the business side of it um so that and then you know there there are certain uh, and essential emotional skills that in our business dan and you exhibit most of these better than anybody I know, um, but some of these emotional skills um, are required. And I feel like when we got into this together, we really um, kind of played off one another and your strengths were not mine and my strengths were not yours. And so some of those emotional skills um, were developed through my military experience. Um, you know, the emotional skill of, of kindness and optimism, while not necessarily cultivated through the army you you could really see a difference when when i was deployed when we were working with whether it be the afghan uh, families or the iraqi children you know providing optimism and kindness to these people who were war-torn and had been beat down for years and years and years really made a difference in their life and i think that is a emotional skill for an empowered team member that is absolutely essential Um, without a doubt Intellectual curiosity, work ethic, empathy, um, self-awareness—to know if your message is getting through to your group or not—all of these things I feel were um, honed while I was in the in the army, and have really paid off for us um, at Empower. And and really, you know, we put so much time in the harness in Middletown from 2009 to 2013 you and i i mean yeah. you and i facilitated 99% of all zip tours and groups in that amount of time and that's where we cut our teeth that's that that experience alone was why we were able to grow and power to three adventure parks and a, a leadership company um without that time in the harness without that time figuring out what groups and guests and clients want, we wouldn't have been able to do it really with any success. And so at the end of the day, our experiences, yours and teaching mine in the military brought us together to really figure it out over a a four year time span.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. And I'm going to rewind a little bit because I, I was so Joe's first, uh, kind of core principle from the military that translated over to empower was the quote, stand behind what you say. We don't make excuses. We make commitments. And when you can't live up to them, you own up, you own up and make it right. And I'm actually, you're not going to be able to see this on the podcast, but I have, <laughs> this is how we kept notes back in the day, whether it was reservations on napkins while you're driving somewhere or, or uh, a folded up envelope. But I, I I was doing some housekeeping around the office uh, in Middletown and I found an envelope that's probably from 2009 or 2010 that has that exact quote written on it with the word accountability underneath it and that's uh obviously it's been a a huge part of the operation and you know we've both had our moments when we haven't lived up to it and you have to figure out a way to to make it right and own it and then we've both had those moments where we've exceeded an expectation and you celebrate those as well Um, so there's no ball from Joe During here today. I'm holding it up right here in front of me. <laughs> you can hear it in the microphone right there. That's, yeah. uh, that's the envelope with the note. So, Joe, two, the first couple years, um, you were, I believe, a, a history major in college. Is that correct?
1: Political and science and poli- history, yeah. Political
0: science and history. There's not the word business in there anywhere, and uh, I was a physical education. It's some. It's something fancy now, but I was a physical education major in college. And our experiences prior to 2009 really had nothing to do with business entrepreneurship whatsoever. However, in 09 in in April 24th or whatever the date was, we we opened up and we had a little bit of a soft opening beforehand. We really had we were building the plane as we flew it, and we knew how to keep people safe because we went through a great training. We spent a ton of time in harnesses prior to working with actual real guests. Um, and we, as Joe touched on, we both knew, all right, we need to make sure it's a great customer experience, right? Outside of those couple of things, we didn't know much about the, the, the operational side of the business to a point where our first tour schedule was like nine, 11, one, three, and five. And we didn't really realize that a two hour zipline canopy tour is generally takes about two and a half hours when you factor in check in and getting into gear and getting out of gear. And I remember our first couple months of a, a whiteboard up at the pavilion area with hello, 11 AM guests. <laughs> we are currently on our 9 AM tour. If you'll just hang out here for a couple more minutes, we'll be, we'll be back up to the pavilion to get started. And it was the hustle up this big hill one of us would get people out of gear and get it reset. The other person would say the goodbyes to the, next, the, the previous group. And then it was, you know, the old wash, rinse, repeat. And it was cutting, cutting the teeth is a vast understatement in my mind. Like it was, a, it was a hustle. It was a grind. It was a tremendous learning experience. What, what are some of the things that stick out to you personally about some of those early days of, I, you know, 09 uh, and 10, especially early days of Empower?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't want it any other way. I wouldn't have wanted to uh, not been in that situation again. uh, We were coming from very different industries and different settings, and and it was the only way for us to really learn about the business, learn what actions were necessary, what actions were wasteful, what expenses were necessary, what expenses were wasteful, what the the right value and, and price point was for our product, Um, and just getting out and doing it. And that's what I would say to anybody who asks me about the the opening of Empower was what was the the biggest reason why you're able to sustain and and get it open and stay open is because we just did it. We didn't make any excuses. Uh, We just did it and we did whatever was necessary. So on any given day we could do one or two or three zipline tours. And then in the afternoon, go bury scavenger hunt posts and come up with uh, coordinates and, and azimuths and distances for a compass course for a Boy Scout group coming in, or if there was a college group coming in from Boston College, we would do a capture the flag course. Um, you know, we just made, made it happen. And if there was something that a customer wanted, and we didn't have it, well, we would figure it out before they got there and we would sell it. And yep. um, I think that was really the biggest thing for us is just not limiting ourselves, but rather just doing it.
0: Yeah, agree. Agree wholeheartedly. And probably one of the most miserable days was the wheelbarrow with the eight cement bags and huge fence posts and shovels and gallons of water to bury. I think we buried probably like 28 or 21. <laughs> Poles in the woods with poles and, uh, for the scavenger hunt. And that was, uh, that was an example of just getting out there and doing it for sure. Um, you, you touched on before our conversation, I I picked out your hat and it says, go with the flow. And, um, your daughter Faith said it so eloquently that dad, you don't do that. You are the flow. And I, and, and Faith, you're, you're right. You're, you're dead on accurate there. Um, which is, again, I think is a testament to that idea of, I think there was a little bit of going with the flow, right? If the customer wanted this type of experience, we figured it out. But then from there we became the flow and it was, let's get it done. Let's make sure it's a great experience. And let's make sure that those people, when they leave, feel like that looking back at it now, capture the flag was a great experience for those participants or, you know, the scavenger hunt experience Uh, was a positive experience for the people that wanted to do it so um, faith you are right not necessarily the best go with the flow guy but once he does he is he becomes the flow
1: (laughs) (laughs) again Um, just out of a a pure desire to want to make it work you know to be successful and to do whatever we have to do to make it so Um, you know no excuses and and i don't if we hadn't been successful dan if we um let's say it didn't work out um i don't think there there would have been anything we would have done differently um Agreed. i'm grateful to you and to everybody who was with us in those early days to kind of do whatever was asked and then some um you know as long as we were being safe and as long as we were keeping our our guests safe i think you know we would have done anything uh, whether it's weed whacking knowing us weeding um <laughs> cutting down Limbs uh, putting up Halloween decorations and lights, um, you know, moving porta potties up and down the property. Uh, you know, any type of group, whether you were, you know, kindergartners trying to do some speed training, or you were, um, you know, <laughs> whatever it was, we were going to sell it and we were going to do it to the best of our ability.
0: I agree wholeheartedly. And if you've <laughs> never moved the porta potty with the Joe and Dan moving crew, it's quite the experience. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> So you touched on the um, Empower Adventures Middleburg in Virginia opening up in fourteen, and then Empower Adventures Tampa Bay in twenty sixteen, and then a new location for Empower Adventures Connecticut. The 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 leadership piece of empowerment um, with Empower Leadership. What in in your mind? Describe your evolution as uh, essentially the 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 head man back in Middletown in 09 to kind of where you see you as a leader of all of the empower outfits today, what, what has evolved? What's, what stayed consistent? What's changed over the
1: years, Joe? Yeah, that's a great question. Again, I think it just comes back to my top two essential needs is contribution. And so could, could always find ways to contribute to a a broader group of people. And, you know, we'd always had the dream of growing in power. We knew that it was scalable Um, we just had to figure out where and with what type of product. And I think we we proved that in Middletown. Um, We pretty much replicated the the course in Middletown in Virginia, albeit on a very different property for very different uh, community. Um, And then in 2016, uh, we we took the course up a notch, right? We had a a very uh, different type of property with water on the coastline of Tampa Bay. And so the design there got bigger and, and just because of the, the potential there was so much bigger. Yeah. Um, and so from a creative standpoint, I think we just learned and grew and were able to kind of uh, pick some things up as we went along and, and learned about, you know, the current course that we were operating and how to make the next one better from a organizational or, or leadership perspective, you know, it it really evolved from being about Joe and Dan and the Joe and Dan show to being more about empower and the empower show and just having Joe and Dan be the drivers and vision setters and, and the ones who kind of set the pace, if you will. Um, But, you know, we were, we would have been content, I think being Joe and Dan for a long time in in Middletown and, but I think we, we both saw the bigger picture of, all right, if we're going to make this the best it can be, and if we're going to be the best that we as individuals can be, then we need more product. We need more ability to cater to more people and and to really um, kind of expand our, our reach. And so opportunities popped up one after the other, and I think taking the the. You know, bull by the horns and making it happen, and finding a way to get a deal done, and finding a way to bring in a team and um, hire them according to you know those emotional skills that we look for, and bringing them into our culture. I think has really been a benefit. And then last year with taking over the Nomads Adventure Park and and operating it now for a year, I think that was even a different challenge versus a brand new build and opening. Um, but we figured it out together and I don't think, um, we could have done anything different. I mean, we sure have learned and we've made mistakes along the way, but I think that, uh, all in all we've, we've really, you know, for, for 2009 being, you know, 11, 12 years ago now, um, if we were to kind of say and envision what we have now, if we were to know that then we would have been like. Man, are you serious? That's crazy. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one year at a time, one week at a time. And I think, um, you know, the, the Empower model is unique. Mm-hmm. Always wanted to be different. We, we, we always, yeah, you on know, South Main Street, Middletown, we were always afraid. Well, what if somebody opens a, a zip line course right across the street? How are we going to be different? How are we going to differentiate ourselves from, you know, that particular course? And I think the empowerment is what does it
0: agree and if we've learned uh, one thing over the years that that you know in Middletown we had our reach and we would have groups travel from Boston area or from you know you know Long Island New York area whether it be you know college university schools families etc um but as Empower kind of slowly grew you realize that as you touched on right at the beginning that there's a need for leadership. There's a need to for experiences that promote people coming together. There's a need for experiences that require two people who maybe have very different strengths and very different weaknesses to come together and figure out how to work together so that the group can be successful. And um, that's been a, a a great part of the adventure is the, the, the separator is that there's a true need. Yes, fun and excitement and that type of stuff great. And, and you can, anybody can find a number of places to go get that thrill, that adrenaline rush. But I feel like one of the things that our, everybody that's part of the Empower family has done well is, yes, there's still the adrenaline rush, there's still the fun involved, but there's also a powerful message that we hope people leave with and are able to apply to their day-to-day lives.
1: Yeah, that's that's that contribution for me, for sure. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning and allows me to feel good about doing what we do is we're contributing in a lot of different market segments here and continue to um, push that and want to do more. Yep. So I,
0: again, our, our relationship goes back to high school. I used to go watch your wife, Maureen play basketball because my cousin Sarah was on the team back in high school. Um, Faith and JJ were born when we, you were up in Middletown, your mom would come and, bring donuts and coffee to groups or plant flowers and make the place look beautiful. Your brother would hop on the grill. The Dering family has been a huge part of uh, the early years of empower, but in, in sustaining over the uh, the past 11, 12 years, what do you think
1: empower means to them? Wow. Um, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's important to them because it's been you know, my life or since I've been out of the army, really. Yeah. And so I, I think for them, they'll see it as um, this thing that I conceptualized and started, you know, as I got out of the army and thank God that, you know, I was able to come home from deployments and have, have this. And um, I just think that they would say that it's like, you know, it's timing, it's adventure but it's meaningful and it's uh, a bit deeper than just an entertainment venue. Um, so I would, I would say that they're super uh, proud. Uh, I hope they would say. Um, and obviously we couldn't have done it without their input and their help. And their. I mean, just a there's nothing more important than meeting an extra guide for a bigger group. So you can make <laughs> a bigger sale and, you know, Tommy, my brother comes, you know, comes to the rescue so that we can make that bigger sale, which at the, in that moment is the biggest thing that can happen to us because we can get 50 people out on the course, you know, with an extra body and thank God that he came through for us in that moment. And that allowed us to say, Oh, we can actually do groups of 50 and really we could do groups of 150. We'll just rotate them every couple hours. I mean, that opened up a whole new world for us by just having Tommy come in and help us as an extra body, um, the, the grilling and providing, <laughs> you know, uh, meals on site without having to worry about catering or without having to burden the group with worrying about it themselves. So um, those little things where they just stepped in and helped us prove out just another product and another revenue stream um, where there was really no risk. Like we didn't have to pay anybody Anything they just did it out of love and out of the kindness of their heart. So um, I wish they would show me some of that kindness more often, non-work related.
0: <laughs> uh, if you're if you're listening, shots fired. Okay. One of my and this will be my last comment, and then we're gonna we're gonna switch roles a little bit here. One of my favorite, and I think Tommy was probably the first person to do this when we started offering hamburgers and hot dogs, barbecues. Joe brought his Weber grill from home and uh the 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 cover was one of the bolts in the back was detached and one of the, the best <laughs> and it was fun it was after building a relationship with the person from the group that was doing the grilling but they'd say oh can we bring can we bring food and use your grill oh of course absolutely 5 bucks for propane re, you know replenishment and <laughs> and every time someone would go to open <laughs> that never used the grill before they would go to open it and the whole top would come off. And whether it was Tommy, you or I standing there, would look at him with this fake look of shock, like, oh, what'd you do? And they'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then, and, you know, you'd laugh it off and, and tell him, no, it was like that. That was
1: yeah.
0: one of the favorite moments from the early years, for sure. So.
1: Yeah, that actually, the top broke off of it as I was trying to, it was for our opening weekend, April 24th, 2009. The one man loaded up into my, the back of my pickup. And it swung open and, and broke right off the back. And so, from the very beginning, the top of that grill it was broken off since our grand opening day.
0: That's right. And that's a great lesson for anybody out there that works in kind of the service industry. Don't try to move a grill by yourself onto or off of a truck. And even more importantly, don't try to move a porta potty onto or off of a truck without right. some help so you get you might think you can do it solo but it's going to be a better operation with more people involved so joe sure. well great work
1: let's, yeah let's let's flip the script here a little bit because obviously uh who doesn't love talking about themselves right but um <laughs> let's let's talk about you a little bit let's, yeah, let's hear it let's dive in because <laughs> that that fateful breakfast meeting at denny's was uh we had no idea what we were getting into so you know you had an established career you were um you know grad school the whole deal what was going through your mind as i was pitching the vision and what what i was envisioning and asking you to join me in what was going through your mind
0: yeah so there was a handful of things I had spent part of that school year realizing that it was a fit, but it wasn't the right fit. And and at the start of my second year teaching at this particular school I was teaching at, I built out like a two week curriculum. That was, I called it team building, right? You know, team building is, I taught in the the wellness, which is the combination of health and physical education. And I was at a school in Springfield where it was a relatively brand new school and we had ninth graders coming in from all of these different middle schools in the city of Springfield to this new school. And I think we had like a, like a hundred students per class was about the, the, the max. And I remember I put together this, this two week or two and a half week unit to say to the district coordinator, like, Hey, We have all these children coming from different areas of Springfield, different middle schools. They don't know each other, and they're coming to this new community, this new school. And this is what I propose as kind of our first unit of the school year for the ninth grade wellness classes. And it was essentially shot down. They were like, "Uh, you could do a couple days, but then you have to get in the swimming pool and get back on the district phys ed rotation. And I'm like, that's not right. That's not necessary the need for this group at the time. The need is to try to build some sense of community and build some sort of relationships. So that put a bad taste in my mouth. I had been doing the adventure ed stuff. I was fortunate enough at Springfield college to be, I guess, exposed to leadership development and team building through like ropes course type experiences and, and facilitation. And I, you know, I was able to hitch, hitch up with a a professor, uh, Dr. Ted France, and do some kind of side work with him as an undergraduate and graduate student. Um, so I, I liked that type of stuff. And it, 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 I was starting to develop this passion about it and to be shot down where I felt there was a very strong need for this type of education was disheartening and it left a bad taste in my mouth at the start, right out of the start of the school year that year. So I was actually starting to look elsewhere for you know, I I think I took the corrections officers test in oh eight, oh seven, oh eight at some point. I was looking at other okay. schools to go to. And like I said, I got I, you, you had you and Maureen happened to have dinner with my parents, and my mother knew I was looking and said you should call Joe. And I was like, All right, I'll call Joe. And I think I probably put it off and was looking, you know, doing doing the thing, and then we finally got in touch. So to me it was everything you were saying about what what the plan was was in line with what I wanted to do just a different classroom Mm -hmm. and you weren't a stranger it was a person that like my dad knew your mom and coached your brother and coached you um you worked at like there was there were all these relationships there so it wasn't like hopping in with some person that just kind of sells you a good, you know, a bit of goods and, and, and lets you down. So um, those are the two things that you were, you were, you were pitching something that I was developing this great passion for. And you were someone I knew who, listen, if this thing's going to go down, he's going to go down with me. <laughs> and if this thing's going to be successful, it's going to be from some of the hard work in the early years. So I guess that's the long answer it Was you pitch something that I, I valued and I was passionate about, and it was just the timing you know the stars aligned that opportunity kind of fell on my lap and the stars were in alignment to say you know what may 1st 2009 i'm going to be done teaching full-time and i'm going to go through the training and you know, i worked my, my april vacation i think was lined up with when we were opening in middletown at the time so you know, did a little double duty for a couple months but uh you know after talking with you and hearing about it and then again going back to the relationships that were from you know between our families and maureen's families it was it was Honestly, a no brainer.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I remember the dinner with your parents. Like it was yesterday, we were at Amici's in Milltown, a yeah. uh, great spot if you haven't been. And um, we were sitting in a booth, and I, I, your mom was all over it. Like she, <laughs> as soon as I had mentioned that I was looking for a guy, thought Dan would be perfect, she filled me in on your background and what you had been doing since. Uh, graduating from Springfield, and I was like, "This is it. We we have the formula that we need to be able to do this." Because I didn't have the educational background and experiential education, I, I I knew we had to have that other component outside of the guiding. I knew we needed the ground based. I knew we needed somebody who could relate to the schools and the teachers to be able to express the value to those folks. Um, and you were the perfect fit. And so um, it was meant to be for sure. Um, talk a little bit about that first summer. Give the listener uh, uh, a sense of that balance that, that power and power and how that went for you, because it's it's quite a story. And again, talk about making it happen.
0: Yeah. So full disclosure, when when Joe, when we had that meeting, I had already committed to um, I don't know what my title was assistant director director of a summer program at Springfield College um, that was through AmeriCorps and that was basically uh, teenagers that were in the city of Springfield would come to these two-week summer programs over the course of the summer we ran four sessions that summer so um, I had uh, I had, you know was upfront with you in the beginning like I'd made a commitment Um, I signed off on doing the summer gig and, um, you know, I, I, I definitely still want to join empower, but I can't I can't back out on that commitment at the time. So I wasn't around for June. I think I did work June 16th. We'll get to that in a second, but I think from like June 17th until, you know, the middle of August, I was up in Springfield working the summer program. So, um, my last day was supposed to be June 15th or 16th my brother, Matt and I were, well, my brother's a great musician. I'm a hack, but we would, we would play music at this old bar at Nikita's every once, you know, maybe a handful of times a year. So kind of, and it was my birthday. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a great send off. I'm going to kind of do my work at empower for a couple months. We're going to have a big party, big celebration at Nikita's, play some music, have some drinks. And then I have a day to recover and pack. And then I'm up to Springfield for the start of an eight or nine week summer program. And, uh, Maureen was very pregnant and Joe and Maureen came to Nikita's that night and had dinner and hung out and uh, everybody was having a great time. It, it, some of my favorite nights of my life were those nights at Nikita's. It was always a lot of fun for everybody. And anyway, Joe and Maureen left earlier. Cause again, Maureen was not in a spot to really party. And I, Joe, as Joe tells the story, he started to get the kick under the table um, that it was time to go so I, you know, I waved goodbye and think nothing of it. And, you know, probably party until like two or three in the morning back in my younger years, I was able to do that type of stuff and went to bed back. I was living in East Hampton at the time and, uh, it was like, all right, I'll wake up whenever I need to wake up the next morning. I'll pack a bag and I'll drive up, you know, 35, 40 minutes to Springfield. And I got a text from Joe. I don't, at some guy, it felt like some ungodly hour, but it was probably like six 30 in the morning. It wasn't bad. And, uh, it was hey, give me a call, and then called, and hey, I, I hate to do this to you, but uh, <laughs> Maureen, exactly you know it's, an, said, it's it's yeah. happening today. That wasn't yeah. your last day. <laughs> um, so <laughs> so I went in and 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 probably we did a few tours that day or whatever, and it was you know I don't to me it was it was, a, it was a partnership. So when when your partner asks for help, um, it was all right, cool. I'll go do it. I'll shake it off, pound some water, have some breakfast, and get after it. Um and and then so then that was it. And I didn't see Joe that day outside of maybe I think I might have stopped at Middlesex on the way to I think bring you one of those old Kodak cameras, uh so you could take <laughs> some pictures. This is pre like cell phone photos. Um and then drove up to Springfield and um came back in August and Joe had lost like 45 pounds and <laughs> lost some hair and <laughs> had a great you know his beard was gray and um, and just really it was just hop, hop right into it and I remember the first thing was like here's a bunch of waivers that need to be inputted and we had like <laughs> a stack that was like eight feet tall of waivers that you know our plan was we'll input them into a spreadsheet and you know but when you're doing every tour of the day and you're also serving as the office manager and the general manager which was Joe was doing you know you prioritize what's a need to get done versus what can wait and you know upon returning that that was kind of the routine was you know we worked essentially both of us worked from like sun up to sundown, and then you went home and did kind of your founder general manager responsibilities and I went home and inputted waivers um, <laughs> and then you know we get to the fall months and this was probably the one time in in our 11 years where I think we were both sick of seeing each other was probably at the end of October or early November of 2009. Because again, it wasn't just like seven to 7am to 6pm and then go home and do dinner and kind of do your own stuff. It was 7am to 6pm. And then we would usually get dinner together and then we would open up and do a night Halloween tour And then before you know it, it was like 1030 at night and it was both like a 30 minute drive home. And then we saw the same. We're not the prettiest guy, you know, prettiest people. And then we saw the same ugly faces the next day. And um, but it was I don't know. It was a grind. It was fun. There was so much that we didn't know. So it kept every day like super interesting. But there was enough that we knew. So we could do, you know, be safe, keep our keep the visitors safe and, you know, I, you know, the thing that always powered me through it was like every day there was a different group of people that you would be able to interact with and and try to make laugh and try to make them feel good and feel you know have fun and um, it made you know weed whacking patches of poison ivy more easier to t- easier to take or or sitting on a riding mower that was like thirty six inches in in width to mow a field that needed something that was 120 inches in, in, in width as far as the tractor deck. So it made all that stuff, even though it was hard, uh, it made it easier because I knew that it would be followed at some point with a great, you know, couple hours with a great group of people.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And, and what's amazing is even though like that, after that, whether it was October 31st or November 1st or the, 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 the group from Springfield that kind of always culminated our Halloween tours, November (laughs) 1st, we, we kind of just was like, all right, I'll see you when I see you." uh, that first year. But well, like you said in 12 years, Dan, I don't think we've ever had a crossword for each other. I don't think we've ever had attitude or anything like that. It's really remarkable.
0: Yeah, and I, it, there's times like you said in the beginning, I we we have very different strengths. We have very different weaknesses and I think we share some some things in the middle there, but um you know when you, when you work alongside somebody and you're, you know, whether it's burying poles in the ground or or running zipline tours, you know, there were moments when, you know, I missed the mark and I heard about it. Um coach Joe put his hat on, you know. <laughs> um And I think there were marks when, you know, there were times when maybe you missed the mark and I I let you know about it probably in a slightly more delicate way because, you know, (laughs) but, but, uh, you know, any, anything like that, I think, again, it goes back to that idea of partnership. And um, I, I always knew that even if I felt like you were off the mark, your, your intentions were for the best of like empower and the people that were visiting and the team members. And I always knew that. Um, so if we disagreed, it was an easier conversation than like this guy, you know, if, if it was like, oh, this guy, Joe, he's up to something, you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. something I, it wasn't, it yeah. was never that, you know?
1: Yeah. A lot of trust for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Agree. <laughs> um, so, so fast forward, I, I'm really interested to hear what was going through your mind in 2013, 14, when we got that first opportunity To expand and I was going to be leaving the the Connecticut operation what went through your mind when it kind of finally dawned on you that you were going to be the guy and then what were some of the things that you started doing to kind of make it your own
0: yeah well I thought what I think backtracking just even beyond I think to like 2012 or 13 I when you started to kind of chase down a second facility. I thought you did a good job of, I think, stepping out of some roles and allowing me to step into some roles and, but still, you know, still providing the coaching and the support. Um, so I can, you know, I get that experience. And, you know, the one thing I've learned over, or not that I learned, but that has been validated is leadership is learned from experience. You can read all the books that you want to read and there's nothing wrong with that. You can listen to all the, the podcast or the speakers that you want to listen to. And there's nothing wrong with that as well. But at the end of the day, if you're not putting yourselves in in spots where there's experiences about leadership, like learn to lead experiences, you won't. Um, So I was grateful for those. And then when you left, it was like, all right, (laughs) the the safety net is gone. Right. Or at least physically gone. Like we would be on the phone a lot, but the safety net is gone. Um, You know, I think, we and we went through a few different structures but i think a big part of it was like how do we find the right people to you know i think fill in the roles that you were playing and fill in the roles that i was playing in, in this new format and we went through a few different iterations of that but that that would be one of the big things was finding you know if if joe could trust dan let's find the person that dan can trust and we did that and and dana's still you know a part of the empower family and and was a critical part of that whole operation so um but I you know, to me it was like no 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 person can say honestly that they're they're the perfect leader or they're they're the finished product as a leader. And um I had moments of poor leadership, I had moments of what I thought was good leadership and some that were average. And um, you know, the biggest thing to me once you had kind of you know moved to Virginia, it, not kind of you did, you moved to Virginia was um to start to real like this one style or this one voice doesn't work all the time. And um, it's not, it wasn't easy ever to like delegate or give up responsibility because I, I, I always felt this, not that you put, you didn't put it on me, at least directly you didn't put it on me, but I, I always felt this, like, I, you know, don't want to let Joe down. Don't want to let the During family down. Don't want to let him power down. So it was always hard to kind of give like, this is your responsibility. So I, you know, that was tough. And that was something that didn't happen right away. Um, but, you know, I, I think to me the biggest thing was to over time and it was a long process to realize like, you know, I'm not, I'm not great all the time. I'm not good all the time. Like there's moments when I'm not a great leader. And and how do I, how do I grow from it? How do I get better from it? And um, it was from experiences. And then just like any sort of adventure activity, it was, you know, a self-reflection debrief or a debrief call with you about a moment or a debrief call with the, you know, the team members at the time or the core leaders, uh, uh, you know, at, in Middletown at the time. So, you know, to me, that was one of the things that I, I slowly learned is that, you know, this one approach or this one style doesn't fit every situation. And um, there's not going to be a person on the property all the time to keep you in check and, and say like, that was a dumb thing to say. That was a dumb thing to do. And how do we get better from it? And so that was probably the biggest thing I had to do over those first years when you, you know, the first handful of years when you were not on property.
1: Yeah. And that wasn't an easy situation because um, everything we do is customized. Everything we <laughs> do has so much nuance to it. And when you do it for so long with a partner in crime, you you get used to that partner filling in the gaps that you had. And, and it was the same for me when I went to Virginia and then, um, onto, to to Florida that, you know, Dan filled in so many gaps that I have not only in my leadership, but, but in my abilities to execute different types of programs that I didn't have. And, and it was really a learning process, but part of what makes you so good at what you do is that you're overly critical of your, your own performance. And you're, I would say, I would go as far to say as you're, um, you know, you're, 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 uh, kind of like a a technician when it comes to your communication, your, your ability to connect with people, your ability to lead in a group setting. Um, and so when it doesn't necessarily go the right way, I think you're, um, you know, maybe a little bit overly harsh on yourself, (laughs) but I, I think you've done an amazing job at, um, really evolving our our leadership capability, our leadership voice, our leadership brand. Um, We've done so much more. I mean, it it originally started as just like this side thing, the side activity that we were going to use to accompany the the high ropes adventure um, just to kind of be able to get more throughput. Um, But it's quickly um, there in Middletown early on, it quickly developed into kind of a, a major Product of its own, and now has its own company, and has its own brand, and has its own look and feel, which I think is going to be really great for us. Um, yeah, and
0: what what was I think again? It was it was that element of going with the flow. Like there was in two thousand nine, if a group came and said we wanted to do we want to do the zipline course, right? We definitely want to do that, but we also want to do some team building activities and make like a day of it at the time it was not easy, but it was, all right, well, here's our activities. And we, you know, we, we had enough equipment to be able to do this one kind of standalone event. And then we did a good job. And in 2010, it was the same group with pretty much the same group of people, right? So it was the same organization. And so we, what, what do you mean? Repeat customers. And, Oh, I can't, I can't do this activity again. Ah! <laughs> and, and, and it was that, and again, kind of that go with the flow mentality. Like, all right, they still want to do something on the ground. They still want to do something in the air. How do we make it fresh? How do we make it new? How do we make it relevant? And that's, that's been really fun. And, and over the past 11 years, the amount of people that we get to know from just that. You know, yeah. this group always does something with us on June 20th. And every year it's a new challenge because it's the same group of people But we set a bar and we need to meet or exceed that bar with the experience.
1: Yeah. And that's one of those nuances in the business model that uh, prevents the, well, I guess it doesn't prevent it, but it makes it harder to scale power because of that nuance and that you need that ability to be able to be creative for the client so that they keep coming back and keep wanting more and more and more Um, and not everybody can do that and it's it's difficult to find the experience the appropriate level of experience in less, um to kind of program that which is you know what you do so well um so as we continue through the the empower timeline obviously over the course of time you kind of figured out the leadership in middletown um joe moved on from virginia and opened the facility in Oldsmar, florida in 2016 Dan continued to lead the team in Middletown. Um, Talk to us about 2018 and 2019 and kind of just where, where you were at personally with the role of empower and, and where things have gone in the marketplace, because we had some challenges, right? And I don't think there's any escaping it or running away from it, but, but we have since made those challenges into a benefit for us and, and have leveraged those challenges to, to make us stronger and better than we've ever been. And so talk to us a little bit about 18 and 19 and then how we've leveraged that into today.
0: Yeah. So great question. when, when we opened in 09 and we didn't touch on this earlier, we had every intent to like dive in as team building and leadership specialists. Right. And we found out very quickly, like, no matter what your experience was with the army, no matter what my experiences were in like the educational world or the adventure ed world, it was hard to get a, get a foot in the door with a group when we didn't really know anybody and nobody knew us. Um, So while that was going on and while, while we were figuring out that hard lesson, we had people banging down the door to say, Hey, can we come out with just like, you know, my, can my kid and I come out or, you know, my, my daughter's turning this, can we come out and just do the zip line? Do we have to be part of an organization? And, you know, we flipped our script really quickly to not lose sight of what we kind of initially intended to do, but realized that if we wanted to keep on doing what we were doing in Middletown, we had to, have, you know, have some versatility. So um, in 2018 and 2019, it was kind of the opposite effect. There There were no other zipline canopy tours in Connecticut in 09. As a matter of fact, I think there were only like 60 in the country, like commercial business. Right. Um, in 2000, I think 18 was the last, the, the last study I know of. I think it was up to over 350 commercial zipline operations and, and adventure park operations. So we started to see, a decline in the number of the recreational leisure visitors um, in mm-hmm. Connecticut and the surrounding area. I think part of it was because there were more options. Um, part of it was, yeah, you know, some people might have had the mentality, "Yeah, I did the course a bunch of times. I'm going to try a new adventure," which understandable. Um, so that was from the like the external, the the thing that was kind of out of our control was a big factor. Um, the the internal thing for me. And I, 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 this is probably coming across. as pretty clear. I was always so passionate about the, the, the more facilitated programming, right. Still wanted it to be fun. Still wanted it to be engaging, but you know, to me, I, I, I took more out of helping a group of teenagers connect than maybe I did uh, a bachelor party on the zip lining tour. <laughs> um, so I think, both the external factors and kind of the internal, like there's like this, this group of students really needs to learn how to push themselves through challenge and adversity and how to be nice to each other and work together. Like that started taking over me and inter- taking, take things over with me internally. And I think my, my, I followed that. I followed my passion probably at a, and not probably definitely at a detriment of the, the recreational op- operation, which led to the growth of the, the, the more, the group programming, the corporate events, the youth leadership events, the sports leadership events. Um, so in, in, in late 2019, when we, when we were approached to, you know, consider this partnership with nomads outdoor adventure, um, you know, you and I had just some, some very blunt conversations that, you know, Dan, you can't be expected to do both because they're both, they're both going to suffer. And, um, you know, we were. I think, from a business standpoint, we were very clear in that we're going to open up this new place, and it's going to be focused predominantly on recreational leisure, fun for families, fun for birthday parties, fun for you know group outings, and then we're going to split and break up the leadership development and the the team building piece, and keep that as, as its own separate entity. That focuses exclusively on team building events, leadership development workshops, et cetera. And then just leveraging the, the empower adventures, Connecticut and the empower leadership partnership to say, you know, Hey, Hey Paul, we have a group that's going to be coming out on this date. They're going to do a portion of the program on the ground. They're going to break for lunch. And then they're going to do some fun on the aerial adventure park. And it, I think for the first time, it really has allowed us to kind of compartmentalize those two things and really be explicit in our messaging. Uh, because in, in Middletown I think we were confusing to people, you know, some people thought it was just a zipline place, which still sometimes make my, makes my skin crawl because I, I feel like it was even for our recreational visitors. I thought it was always so much more than just a zipline line place. Um, and then some people thought we were just the team building place. Mm-hmm. And I think that created a lot of confusion. So those struggles in 18 and 19, I think allowed us to really look hard, long and hard at how we were doing, what we were doing, how we were messaging, what we could do. Um, and it allowed us at the start of this year to really, or at the end of last year, start of this year to really say, empower leadership is going to work with the the physical locations to do, to deliver the team building and the leadership development services the property in, Middle, in Middleburg, Virginia and Tampa, Florida and South Windsor, Connecticut will really focus their messaging on the fun recreational for family and friends. And we don't know how well it's working yet because, uh, you know, obviously our, our operations have been disrupted a little bit with the, with the whole COVID-19 situation, but I feel good about it.
1: Mm. Yeah. And, and I think going back to 2018, you know, and, and seeing some of the signals from the market that we saw. I don't, I don't, I, I, if I were you, Dan, I would have done the exact same thing. You went to the, to the direction and and in the direction that the market was taking us and the demand for group and event team building and corporate group team building was there. And you made most of every opportunity, you know, our book of business for empower leadership right now is over 300 different clients, which is Tremendous. Um, I think you're right. The, the, the adventure entertainment venues throughout Connecticut and Southern New England had, had become so numerous mm-hmm. um, that it made it really hard in our business model with zipline canopy tours and reservations required in certain times and guided experiences made it really hard for us to do the volume that we had seen years prior when we were the only show in town. Yep. So I, th- I think when in 2018, when we started to steer more towards the leadership side, that was what the market was telling us to do. And, and we're, we weren't gonna kind of go against the flow, we weren't gonna bang our head against the wall. Um, while it was, in while we were in the moment, we were trying to problem solve, we were trying to figure it out. Um, but I think ultimately, we made the right decision, um, and it's led us to this point now. And, and like you said, I think 2020 was teed up to be the best year we've ever had, and now we have the current situation that we're in. So talk a little <laughs> bit, and then I want to talk a little bit about Empower Leadership specifically and some of the really fun new things that we've been able to innovate, you in particular, um, over the last several months here that we've been dealing with the coronavirus but talk a little bit about um you know how you were feeling when this thing hit given you know the impact yeah. it's on
0: groups it, it was um this year for the first time we had actually quite a bit of action in january and february and and even march on the books um i was doing a lot of after school programming uh, there were a couple of school districts that received some grants and we we were able to uh, they they partnered with us um to deliver some uh, community building and leadership development services. So um, the start of the year was from a, from a team building standpoint was, you know, our adventure park in Connecticut was closed winter. Virginia was very limited, right? Because it's the winter months down there. Florida is a different beast, right? They're, you know, the busy time of the year, spring break and everything. So this was the first year where I felt like during the winter, I wasn't spending, five days in front of the computer I was actually doing some work time in the office but then able to get out and and do some programming coupled with the fact that up here in Connecticut we didn't have an ounce of snow on the ground Mm -hmm. so prior to like May or March 11th or 12th I had conversations with Paul the the course manager up at South Windsor saying like dude get ready like we're going to be able to start, this, this is going to be, this is the only time in my lifetime where I don't remember any snow on the ground. And we're doing the, we're, we're doing these great team building programs. Like this is going to be awesome. We're going to hit, we're going to be, we're going to need to be ready earlier than we had ever anticipated. And then I think it was, I forget that. I think it was Wednesday, March 10th. Um, Was was the the last in-person program I had run prior to the COVID-19 thing. And it was, I had like five events total on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of that week alone, and I had another three events scheduled for Thursday, Friday, so I'm like eight events and five work days, like holy smokes, like this is unbelievable, and I did my event that Wednesday night, got, got in my car at about six o'clock at night, and I had a text message from one of the teachers I was supposed to work with the next day who had said, hey, we're still going to do the program, but can you do activities that don't require physical contact? of course, you know, make, make the adjustment, not a problem. And then great. We'll see you tomorrow. And then I woke up the next day to a lot of texts and emails saying, you know, after school programs were canceled and then sports were canceled and then school was being put on hold. And it was, it was a, it was a punch to the gut, you know, it was, cause we had all this momentum here in Connecticut and feeling really good about 2020 being, the best year yet, from not only from a team building and leadership standpoint, but from an you know an outdoor adventure operation, just because of the weather we were experiencing. Um, so it was a punch in the gut. The good thing was is is we had this vision that you know Joe and I and Sarah, who's who's our you know marketing coordinator for all the Empower entities of the the growth of empower leadership and what that's going to look like and 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 feel like and be like and what it's going to include and we we had this vision of building out these digital assets um or virtual assets and we didn't know what those were going to we had ideas of what those were going to look like and be like but we didn't know what they were going to be so um very quickly it went from like what the heck's going on disheartening on um, that thursday friday and through the weekend to all right, it's a, it's an opportunity. And Joe, I, I, I said this to, to other groups, it's a testament to you too, is, um, that first call after the fact was, well, the terms have been dictated and that they're completely out of our control. What can we do, right? What's, what's in our, it's a phrase we use all the time, control the controllables. What can we do to still be empowered to still do empowerment and to still do adventure and, um, you know, from there, it was, well, yeah, what can we do? And it was some, some brainstorm days and some great conversations. And the immediate change was, all right, well, we do all these events in person, and we've done all these workshops in person, why can't we figure out how to do them virtually? Um, you know, and so it started to look at like our big catalog of all these physical in-person activities and kind of really diving into like, what are, what are the messages I'm trying to get across with these different activities? And then how do we translate to a platform like zoom or, or, um, which is what we've been using. So we developed a handful of, of kind of modules. We did some empower team building practice sessions, which were huge, um, to figure out, fun. yeah, fun. And just to work out some of the kinks. And I think to date we've done like 14 or 15 different uh, emerge online team building and team outing events, ranging from uh, training for after school staff. From uh, you know, I have great friends up in New Britain Recreation who are, are dynamite, and we you know did did some sessions with their after school programming staff. To working with intern groups from Mass Mutual, who we usually do a big in person event with at the start of their summer internship, and now we're doing three kind of fun Friday intern outing events on Zoom. Um, we're doing some. Youth programming with uh, Colchester Youth and Social Services. We're doing a a peer mentoring program with rising sixth and seventh graders that starts up tomorrow. Uh, we're doing a, a leadership development program with uh, uh, counselors in training and just really any high schooler who's aspiring to be to get better at leadership. Um, so that that was, you know, we we take our youth leadership, our sports leadership, our corporate team building events that we traditionally have done in person. And we make the adjustment. And um, I was so skeptical about doing this stuff at zoom. It was the first time. And I'm so, you know, high, I love high fiving and celebrating and getting rowdy with groups and having fun. And um, they they've been so much better than I thought they would be. Um, you know, developed a couple leadership modules for athletes. Um, uh, comfortable being uncomfortable is one. And, um, Joe, I, I coined this phrase from you, but communication is the language of leadership. So, uh, online, uh, workshops that are designed specifically for captains or athletes and teams, uh, to get them to realize that, Hey, if you stay comfortable as a, as a basketball player, you're not going to hit your potential, right? You have to be comfortable getting uncomfortable. If you can't communicate with your teammates or communicate with your coaches, you're not going to be effective as a team. So really looking at what are the messages that are important? to empower and to that, that I feel and you feel are important to people out there. And how do we put together an experience? That's just a little, it's not in person. It's virtual to highlight the importance of getting out of your comfort zone of communicating effectively of, of collaborating and problem solving and, and, and having fun when, you know, for a while there in the middle of the quarantine, man, up here in the Northeast, fun, fun was hard to come by. Right. So just, you know, again, identifying the needs and putting together the experiences and it's been great so far. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've taken my hat off to you, Dan, because you very easily could have been the one and you have been from a revenue perspective, the one most affected across all the power and power uh, revenue locations here. You've been the one most affected in terms of revenue, but you've also been the busiest of everybody out there hustling creating these virtual and digital experiences researching and problem solving and figuring out all the, the know-how in creating podcasts and and you know workshops online and zoom and all of that sort of thing and so your uh ability to just make it happen again back to 2009 it's like <laughs> spending uh you know 12 hours in a harness you've been 12 hours in front of a computer trying to figure this stuff out um, so that we can continue to deliver our product. But when you just listed all the different programs and all the different products that we are offering these groups all across, you know, Connecticut and Southern New England, you know, thinking back to 12 years ago when (laughs) you had this idea for this school and now you have, I mean, this stuff just rolls off of your tongue. Like it's nothing. How does that make you feel? I mean, if you look back on where you wanted to be and where you are now, what do you think?
0: It's so you, you touched on earlier, like the the cliff to jump off of. Right. And you know, and that, that means what it means to you. For me, it's, it's kind of, it's this, it's going through something like this and say, you know, when I, when working with, with teens, I'll always explain to them, like there's two types of people. There are people who see the challenge and, and, walk or run the other way or there are people that see the challenge and say how the heck can I get over around through and one of those people will experience kind of realizing their dream and one of them might have some fulfillment but it won't be the same and to me it's back to why you know why I was so excited to join and and, and kind of take that first adventure with you is like, we get to connect with people and give them a feel good experience that hopefully is beneficial to them beyond just the, that, that couple hours or that half day. Um, We can still do that. It just might look and sound a little bit differently. And it makes me feel great. It makes me feel good that we can be creative. Like we're not changing the messaging. We're not changing why empower does what empower does. Um, We're just tweaking the delivery and it's, I think it's cool. It's fun. It's it's great to hang up on one of these Zoom calls and then get emails afterwards like, hey, that was, you know, got great feedback from the group or that was a great experience for the group. It was much better than I thought it would be. And that's rewarding. And I, I've said this to our, when I was in like more of the op, op, operation manager role, um, I would always start our, our training classes off with the, for our zipline guides with the fact that the selfish allure of zip lining as a job wears off. Mm-hmm. That is not something that is, um, going to stick with you forever. And I can, I can attest to that. I did Middletown's course for 10 years. I've done it in the dark. I've done it freaking with my, with a blindfold on I've done it in hail sleet snow and getting off of it with, you know, lightning Like I've done it in every circumstance you could possibly imagine. Um, the physical act of ziplining for me in Middletown was not fun. The social connections and the ability to kind of make it a great experience for the group, that's that's sustainable because every group is different. Every person is different. And um, that's the, the part I, I, I hate even calling it a job. <laughs> but that's the part that I love most about Empower is you can do the same activity a hundred times in a row on a hundred days in a row with a hundred different groups. And it's going to be different if you look beyond the physical activity, the physical experience. And it's, it's, I don't know, I'm, I guess I'm proud of it. It's, it shows that there, there's even more that we can do. There's more people that we can reach and um, there's more positive messages that we can spread. But I, I thought it was a great start.
1: <laughs> yeah. And spoken like a true professional, a professional facilitator, ladies and gentlemen, that's Dan <laughs> So speaking of um, connecting with people, one of the products we have, um, you have figured out and really championed was the Lead with Empower podcast. So as you mentioned at the top, this is our, this is your 24 <laughs> podcasts. So there, there have been 23 guests. 23 episodes 23 conversations that you've had um tell us a little bit about how you conceptualized the podcast what's your goal for the podcast why you wanted to start it with the uh, lead with empower in this way
0: yeah so it, it again i think it stems from my work with uh i would say the, the the group that i've worked the most with over the years would be middle school so like fifth through rising ninth graders that's been the group that you know just from a sheer volume standpoint is that they need the most help for sure yeah yeah <laughs> um but over the years i would always I, like there would you know be a young girl in a particular program that would say like she would say the the the, the solution to a certain activity but say it under her breath without this confidence and without this the, yeah the confidence to say like stop their group be like hey this is how we have to do it um, so really the, and, and and there'd be a young boy that would do the same thing. And, and, and I would, I would hear it kind of that teacher, you have ears everywhere. You'd hear it and be like, Hey, everybody stop for a second. So-and-so has a great idea that they need to share with the group because you're struggling right now. And I think they're going to get you in the, you know, in the right direction. Um, and the student would resist because they're quiet or they're not an athlete or they're not, they don't think they're smart. And they would have all these things and all these reasons and excuses to not lead in that moment. So the idea with the lead with empower podcast was like anybody can lead if they want to. Right. If, if they have a passion to do it, anybody can learn to lead and you're not, it's just like anything else. Like, when you start off, you're probably not going to be very good at it. Right. But if you practice it enough, if you put yourself in a spot where there's enough experiences, you can become the best leader that you could possibly be. And that was the idea was let's, you know, we have a bunch of people that we've worked with over the years. And I I went to the well, you know, my, my brother was our first guest because I said, if I'm going to, if I'm going to screw this thing up, I might as well screw it up with someone that's not going to hold it against me. Uh, (laughs) And uh It was just, let's connect with people who are out there doing it. Right. I don't want to connect with somebody who's written books about leadership and who's never led anybody. Um, you know, so that was the first thing. Who are the people that are, you know, the, I think the the tagline is in the trenches, right? Who are the people that are out there actually practicing leadership? Um, and to hear from them and have them explain the experiences that they leverage to become the leader that they are in that moment, some of their moments where they were super successful and why, some of their moments when they fell short and why, some of their strengths, some of their weaknesses, and really with the end purpose of it doesn't matter if you're a young girl or a young boy, it doesn't matter if you're the best athlete, it doesn't matter if you're the best musician or the best, you know, the student or the engineer, you have the potential to lead if you can if you have the passion for it and if you're willing to to put the hard work in if you're willing to put yourselves in a spot where there's a potential where you might fail um and so the the idea was to to hear from these different people to highlight that everybody does it a little bit differently everybody's voice is a little bit different everybody's leadership personality is a little bit different but there are common themes Right. And, and, and everybody that I, that I, I spoke to, um, to me personally, I thought they were, they're tremendous leaders. I think they're tremendous leaders. So let's hear from those people who do it and do it well to find out how they do it. Maybe a little bit different from how somebody else does it, but also to find out that hard work, being a, being a good person, um, being authentically you, like you cannot fake the funk. If you're, if you expect to lead other people because they sniff through BS, right? Um, you know, be, being able to build relationships, um, being able to, to, um, to chase down opportunities without fear and excuses getting in the way, being passionate, being consistent. These are all these things that people who don't even know each other said and share, share those traits. So that, that to me was the biggest uh, reason was to inspire people who might not think of themselves as leaders to realize that they can and they are. And, you know, there's not a, there's not a blueprint or a playbook to it, but to give them as much information about how they can go about becoming the best leader that they could possibly become. And it's been great. It's been a mix of teachers, coaches, students, uh, at the high school level up to the professional level, athletes, coaches, college level. So it's, it's just been a great mix of people. And it's been in a, at a time when, you know, especially during the, the, the kind of the stay at home thing up here in Connecticut when there wasn't connection, it was just great to, even if it was on zoom, just to see somebody else and have a a great conversation with somebody else and share laughs and and share like, you know, battle stories and, and, and all those types of things. And so again, I think just like everything else that I've had the pleasure of doing at empower, there's, there's that, like you touched on in the beginning, Joe, the contribution, I think that with this podcast, there's a contribution element. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there's a, a, a personal fulfillment element um, that, that came out of it as well. It's just to have great conversations with great people who are doing a tremendous job leading themselves and leading others.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. I was going to ask you give us a flavor, but it's really interesting, you know, the, the personalities, and I've listened to most of them. I, I, I can't say I've listened to all of them, but I've listened <laughs> to most. Um, and, and what I hear is a, is a true passion for leadership. It within, you know, all of the guests that you've had on. And, you know, ultimately, that's what Empower is trying to do, right? We're trying to bring leadership to the forefront, we're trying to bring leadership to the same level, the same um, piece of, of knowledge that you need to know, just like math, just like reading, just like science, you need to know leadership. Um, it's just not as concrete, yep. right? It, it's It's a lot more nebulous and, and, and again, you need experience, which is, um, so important to formulating your own leadership style. Um, give us some highlights, give us some lowlights, talk to us a little bit about some of the personalities, maybe some that really stuck out to you. Uh, give us a a little flavor for what you ran into with these 23 podcasts.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I guess I'll start with like my brother Greg was again gracious enough to be to record early on, and you know one of the comments from him was, "You don't lead to serve yourself; you lead to serve others." And that's been a a, a common theme. Whether it's someone just throwing out the old servant leadership kind of, I guess it's cliched now, um, but that's been a common theme. Uh, uh, and he talked a lot about the importance of body language, um, which which stuck out to me, and as as did. So this is a high school football coach. I also uh, coach Kevin Gilbride, who's a two-time Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator, you know, from a fandom standpoint, he's part of the two of the bigger moments of my fandom of the New York Giants, talked a lot about how his body language had had a tough impact on certain situations. So you got a high school coach and a a pro coach who's doing it at the highest level, share the same sentiment. Like if you let these outside things affect how you lead, it's going to have an impact on the people that you lead, you know. Dr. Lisa Hill, who teaches with my wife, Kelly, down at Hamden Hall, she touched on the idea of, uh, as a teacher, she teaches history, Um, she's in the the department chair there, like, her role as a leader is to inspire her students to truly open up, analyze information, think, and then make a decision. So, and which ties to something that uh, Annie Drury, who's the Dean of Students at Mercy High School said, if you react, you'll probably regret. So the idea of assessing a situation, thinking about it, and making a good, confident decision as a leader was, was there, um, which one of my favorite quotes from Coach Petruzzi, measure twice, cut once, right? And it's all about that preparation. And he dropped a new quote. He's, I told I joked with him, like, he's the man of many sayings and quotes, and um, he's so great at getting those in at the right time so they're not just cliches. They have meaning to his athletes, but... He talked about if you don't have the time to do it right the first time, when are you going to have time to do it the second time? And that, to me, just ties into that idea of preparation and and being confident with the the foot that you're putting forward. Uh, Kevin Loney, who's a, a high school classmate of ours, teammate of ours who's coaching up at Bowdoin College, and he's kind of doing the college coaching circuit right now, um, talked a lot about self-accountability, like – if you have standards as a leader and you don't follow those standards, how can you expect those that you lead to follow those standards? Um, he also talked a lot about vision, how, you know, when he feels like he's going well, he has kind of this five-year vision and the action items that will help him make progress towards that and constantly re-evaluing, uh, reevaluating that. Uh, Justin Surpone, Amherst College, and his wife, Angela, um, who's the uh, at the University of Massachusetts, I, that was my first uh, – Two person, two versus one podcast interview. Um, And it was their first, too. So we had a lot of fun with that. But, you know, Justin talked a lot about as a leader, making sure his athletes on the Amherst men's soccer program are are empowered to be stakeholders, not just renters for four years. And I thought that was powerful. And he told the story about one of his better teams and how another coach in their division said, You know what your job is this year as the coach and the leader? And he said, No, what is it? He's like, just make sure they get to the damn game on time and get out of the way, (laughs) you know? So, um, you know, Tim, Tim Boyle, who's, uh, you know, with the Packers right now um, he experienced so much struggle at the college level um, from being recruited by a school and then, and then a coaching change and having to switch schools last minute and having an up and down time and the kids living his freaking dream right now uh, you know, sharing a locker room with one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL. And he talked about, you can either embrace those adverse situations and do your best to overcome them, or you can let them be the, be the roadblock to your dream. Um, he also talked a lot about consistency, which like leadership, isn't something you turn on and off. And in his world of the NFL, especially like that one bad moment where you, where you decide to mail it in could impact your career. Like you, you could be gone, cut, fired. Laura Duncan, uh, University of New Haven women's soccer, blue collar, dirt and grit. That was, uh, you know, Laura. What do you look for in your athletes? I want someone who's not afraid to get dirty and and be gritty and be tough. Um, And then I'll I'll finish, you know, because I, my experience at Empower has been tremendous. Prior to that, it's been the experiences that I've I've been fortunate enough to have through the people at Springfield College, and I reflect on that and my conversation with Jimmy Warnock, who was my orientation leader, and and Kim Longabuco, who's – they're both in education. Kim's a principal, and Jimmy's a a teacher up in South Windsor. Um, We all talked about, like, at Springfield, we got to see people who did it exceptionally well. That was kind of the first leadership lesson. But then there were so many darn opportunities for us as undergraduate students who didn't know our ass from our elbows to freaking try it. To try leadership, to try to get up in front of a group of people, and um, so that was something. And, and it, it ties right back into one of the things we talked about early on: is you're not going to become a better leader exclusive exclusively from reading books or articles or blogs or listening to podcasts or speakers. You will become a better leader by doing and by putting yourself in a situation where you have to do. And um, it's been you know, and I, I, I'm, I'm missing people and, but I, I, don't, I didn't want this to turn into a two hour affair. So um, the highlights have been great. The personalities have been great. There's been plenty of laughing, plenty of um, sharing insight and sharing stories. And again, I, I hope that the, the guests are, are, connect with somebody. Like I hope the, the person that listens is able to say, you know what, I really connect to how that person does it. Maybe I can do more as a leader.
1: Mm, that's great. No, it's, it, it's been really fun to, to see it um, take off this, in this first season. What, do we, what can we look forward to next season?
0: Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to take a little hiatus here for the summer months. Um, and my, my hope in the fall, right, there's so much up in the air right now. So with, with are, is school going to happen in person? Is it going to be virtual again? Are sports going to happen? So um, the, the plan for the early part of season two is to really get with those people who, who, you know, from an educational standpoint, who've been impacted by COVID as far as like the schedule being adjusted, you know, athletics and education, um, to, to find out what, where they're at with it, to find out what hard decisions they have to make. To find out how they went about making those tough decisions, to find out how it's impacted students, athletes, teachers, administrators, um, have some people on the docket who were on the front line battling COVID nineteen to talk about that experience. Because you know, in, in this day and age, it, you know, you want to talk about some people who are doing some heroic things. Those people that were going to work every day, knowing they were putting themselves at risk for the benefit of their, you know, either small or large community. Um, And really, it's just to continue to get in touch with a wide range of people who are out there doing it and who are excited and passionate about sharing their story and sharing their message, because if that episode or if that guest, if we're able to connect with just one person and inspire that one person to go out there and and take that jump off of the cliff to lead, um, in my mind, that's a win.
1: Love it. Absolutely love it. Looking forward to it. Dan, thank you for all you're doing with Lead with Empower and, and the Empower Leadership brand. And not only that, ladies and gentlemen, but he's mentoring our people in all of our different locations on how to facilitate leadership, how to sell the, the proper value to our clients and customers on on leadership programming. And so for all things leadership related to Empower, it's Dan Jascott for sure.
0: Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a great adventure every day. And, you know, looking forward to the the rest of 2020 and making the most out of it and looking forward to making 2021 the best year yet. And to all the people that have been tuning in over the past, I don't know, four months or three months, whatever it's been. Thank you. I hope, uh, the, the, first ep, the first season of the Lead with Empower podcast has been a fun listen, a great listen, and a, and a listen that you can take and, and apply to your day-to-day lives. And thank you for tuning in to episode 24. Go out there, be safe, have fun, be nice, and get after it. We'll see you soon. Great leadership may look and sound different. However, there are common threads that connect all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead they do that which brings out their best and the best in those around them and they never take the easy way out because the exceptional will never come from easy